everyone. Welcome back to Leadership and Lattes. This is actually our third edition, and my name is Danielle Ford, and I am joined uh, today by my cohort, Crystal Roberts. We are coming to you from our lovely little spot in the world, and it's a beautiful Sunday afternoon, so I hope whatever you're doing, you can join us and grab a cup and uh, listen in on the conversation. And since it is such a nice July afternoon, perhaps even a cold latte, because here in our area of uh, uh, high caffeine uh, dosage through good coffee, a cold latte is just as good as a hot one. So welcome to the show. We're going to talk to you, with you today about the leadership's role in, in not only engaging employees, but ensuring that they are staying healthy. Uh, and what happens when we get into a situation of burnout? How does that occur? Why does it occur? How do we recognize it? And what do we do to keep folks from being in a state of burnout? But before we do that, I'm going to turn the tables and I'm going to ask Crystal some questions today so that we can have a chance to get to know her a little bit better. So, are you ready? I am ready. <laughs> <laughs> How, uh, when did you know that you were called to the field of leadership development and what keeps you here? So I've actually been doing leadership development for about the last 20 years. And why that's important to me is because I wanted a way to really make a difference. And I saw around us, um, there's just so many challenges, so many mega issues going on. And obviously it was before COVID and social justice issues, but back when I was starting leadership development, one of the really big things was um, climate change. And, um, so, and there were, of course, there were a lot of other issues as well, but I was looking at where, where's a way that I can really make a difference. Um, so when I think about leadership and we've talked about this before, I think it's really important to think about leaders as anyone who can, uh, who has an opportunity to make an influence. And so that's all of us. So really helping people, um, understand what their purpose is what their values are, how to live into those values. And that's really as unique as every individual. So each individual has their own unique twist on what that is and their own gifts that they bring, um, bring to their work and their life. And so I really saw that as an, it was an opportunity through leadership development to help people realize that. And with all of these mega challenges, we need everyone. We need everyone's gifts to be utilized to their full potential. And so that was really my first thought about why leadership development. Um, and an example of that I wanted to share was uh, when my daughter was in, uh, when she was in college, there was a uh, custodian uh, that worked in the building where she lived her name was Vicki. Her name is Vicki. She's still there. And the kids loved her. And some people might think, oh, well, she was just a custodian. What impact would she have? And she had enormous impact on those kids' lives. Uh, she cared for them. They, she knew all of their names. Um, she had many opportunities to influence the future leaders of our, future leaders of our world. And it was because she felt she knew her purpose and her purpose wasn't just to clean up after these kids. 
her purpose was to make sure that everybody knew that they were valued and that they mattered. And she was telling me a story one day when I was visiting um, over there at the college, the university, that she loved her job so much. And that one of her experiences was, um, of course, she notices when the kids are around and when they're not. And she had noticed that this one um, this one student had not been out of their room for a while, a couple of days. And so she knocked on the door just to check on him, make sure he was doing okay. And later he told her that if it hadn't been for her knocking on his door to say, you know, how are you doing? That um, he was considering taking his life. So oh, wow. she, yeah. So everyone wow. has yeah. an opportunity to make a difference. And so I think we're all leaders and we need to think about how do we educate people to really bring out their best. How does she make sure that Vicki feels honored and valued uh, in the role that she's playing because it is so important. And so formal leadership, I think, is also really important um, as a really important leverage point. So by teaching leaders um, and having them be, you know, their best as well, it has huge ripple effects down into the organization. So it really, that is another opportunity for me to make a difference. Uh, as well as we know, not only is it just about um, you know, people feeling good about doing good work, it's also about performance in the organization. So those two things, as we know, go hand in hand. We're going to talk a little bit about that today. Um, and I think the last thing is more self-serving for myself, is that I feel like the field of leadership is always changing. Um, there's some really important fundamental, you know, foundational pieces, but, you know, how those get packaged and how we, um, there's just always new research coming out and it really personally interests me. So I know I'm never going to be bored. And so that was, that was <laughs> really an important part for me too, is I want to, you know, if I'm going to dedicate my career to something, it's going to be something that, um, excites me and inspires me and, um, makes a difference. Great. Thank you. Thanks for that really compelling story about Vicki. What a great example of someone who said, you know, this is, I don't have to do this. This is nowhere in my job description, but I feel compelled as a human to check in on another human um, and, and make sure that that person is okay and uh, heard and valued and safe, which is exactly what leaders do. So thank you for sharing that. Um, so second question is, if you're ready, Yep. What was your first indicator that you were a leader? When did you know? <laughs> you know, so I was thinking about that and, um, I, you know, as far as long-term memory, I was like, I don't kind of remember my childhood other than I know I had a good one um, and had parents who loved me. But I was thinking about one time that really made me understand that I could make a difference and that other people that my actions uh, influence others. And so that was actually back in middle school. So in middle school, I played volleyball. I also played volleyball in high school and I did a year of it at college as well. And loved the sport, but you know, middle school is kind of the awkward years. 
Mm-hmm. And so you're kind of looking around and trying to see, you know, who am I and who am I in relationship to others? And uh, a person that I kind of admired who I thought was kind of cool, she, um, every time she would make a mistake, she'd get really down on herself. And when uh, other people would make a mistake, she'd get down on them as well. And so I started following that behavior. Mm. And my mm. yeah, my pa- parents came to a match and um, watched. And then afterwards, they were very kind, but they gave me some feedback. <laughs> and you know, feedback is a gift, right? <laughs> That's right. Feedback is a gift. And it, of course, it upset me at first. And I'm like, what are they? You know, what are they telling me this for? And but I really thought about it, and I decided, you know. I don't want to be a negative influence on the team. I want to be a positive influence on the team. And so I changed my behavior and um, I let my mistakes go. I cheered others on and, um, you know, supported them when they were doing well and when they weren't doing well. And uh, I can't remember whether it made any difference at all on our scores, you know, whether we won more games or not, but, but I do remember it being a lot more fun. And then in the end, I ended up getting voted most inspirational player. Oh, wow. And yeah. And so it was really, really interesting to see the recognition that came along with also what I knew was a better way to be. And so and the appreciation. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's, I really recognized that, wow, my what I'm doing, even though I didn't intend really for it to be a negative thing on the team, um, I could change, uh, change the way that I was acting. And that also helped bring along the team to be more positive as well. So I really recognize that piece about influence when everyone has an opportunity to influence and we can choose what that influence is. So that's when I remember being, so way back in middle school, playing volleyball. <laughs> that's when I remember first having that, that impact. Uh, what a, it's a great example of personal reflection and how powerful reflection is when you think about something um, and, and sit with it for a while. And regardless of how it felt in the moment, um, being okay with it and then making a conscientious decision to change your behavior as a result. So, great. Thanks. Okay, third and final question. Uh, so we started this podcast a few months ago now, and uh, as I said, this is our third edition, if you will. And um, with that, what are you hoping to accomplish uh, by doing this Leadership and Lattes podcast? Well, for me, I think it's really pretty simple. Um, I really want to, as much as we can help others, uh, we've got all this wisdom. So we have... I was figuring it out that we have probably more than 65 years of leadership experience in our own, like we've done our reading and we've done our education and, but it's the stories of the leaders that we've worked with from frontline on the ground people all the way to CEOs. And this is like an opportunity to really give back and to share that wisdom and hopefully other people can learn from that and use it. Uh, and it's free, <laughs> you know, it's just, you can tap into it, listen to it and you can agree with us or you can disagree, but 
hopefully get a few kernels of something that you might want to try or learn something new and want to apply it. So I think it's a way to um, honor the, the work that we've done in our careers and then hopefully spread it to others so that they can use it as well. Um, the, the other thing, so there's really just two reasons that give it away, give our wisdom away um, and help others. The other is I really, uh, I really respect you and I respect our mystery co-host <laughs> who we haven't revealed yet. She's coming soon. So anybody listening who's like, I thought there was just two of them. Um, <laughs> uh, and that's why it's 65 years of experience because where I'm adding in our mystery co-host um, in that. And it's just, uh, I learn also every time um, that I talk with you and I talk with our mystery co-host. Um, and so, yeah, so, um, respect, uh, respect you guys and love, uh, having conversation and it's generative. So, um, one it's give it away and one it's get something for myself. So, um, that's why I'm doing the podcast. Well, thank you. So I didn't do a real sound introduction ahead of time. I jumped right into it, which um, uh, for anyone who knows me, it's like, oh, that's kind of Danielle's way. So my uh, concluding, uh, what would it be a, not maybe a postscript, uh, this again, my co-host Crystal Roberts and, and Leadership and Lattes is, was really your idea. And you invited me and our mystery co-host, co not co-host, <laughs> <laughs> co-host in and I want to thank you for that and thank you for this opportunity as well. So Crystal Roberts, again, uh, with over 20 years of experience doing uh, this work, not only in leadership development, but organizational development as well, which includes things like understanding team dynamics and change management and a whole uh, host of other things as well. So thank you for inviting me into this and, and thank you for um, your, your uh, stories that you shared. Uh, such a, uh, again, a really great tool that leaders uh, can have in their tool belt is the, those really powerful stories that can help influence and uh, make a difference. So, um, and, and I'm with you. It's like, you know, we, the, the, the organizations that we've worked with or at over the past few years are lucky that they have people who do this work because it's complex work. Mm -hmm. um, human dynamics are always changing. And, you know, it's, it's just, um, we, sh we shouldn't expect folks to just do this. And if you are in an organization that maybe is a little bit smaller or newer and doesn't have leadership development as an option for you, hopefully we can bring some additional insights and help you out as well. So I think that's so true. And, and also just thank you for saying yes to doing this with me. Um, that's, uh, it's such a gift to do it together. Uh, but I, I so agree with you about um, that it isn't something we can just expect people to just know intuitively how to do it. Yeah. Um, you know, we wouldn't expect somebody to be able to design a house and, you know, at least not design a house and have it stand <laughs> on, <laughs> on their own. So why would we expect people to do leadership development and be a, be a fantastic leader? Uh, we all need, we all need help. So yeah, yeah. we all need each other, right? Yeah. Yep. Thank you. And I enjoyed getting to know you a little bit more through your stories too. So thank you.
Um, so the other thing that we wanted to talk about today is uh, this kind of myth of burnout. And there was a study that was just put out by the Gallup Institute that Crystal sent to me. And, and so we had an opportunity to take a look at this. Um, and this is actually our first time kind of talking about it. So uh, we'll be exploring this topic together. Um, but as I uh, got your email and, and saw this was the topic, Crystal, I was reminded of a time when I was the director of organizational development for a large uh, large health system and my responsibility was a service area so I had two hospitals and a, a series of uh, general practice GP clinics and every quarter we would get together about 400 leaders and have what we called our leadership development institute and so it was my responsibility to bring topics and tools and resources and such for these um, uh, quarterly events it, they were exhausting but <laughs> a ton mm -hmm. of fun so, then I remember having about a 45 minute conversation with our then CEO of the service area and his belief about uh, whose responsibility burnout was or who bore that responsibility. And lo and behold, if he didn't, and mm. I was shocked because uh, I, I always thought he was such a nice guy. <laughs> and yeah. He wasn't nice. I just was so surprised uh, by by his response to that, and we talked for about forty five minutes, and I tried and tried to change his uh, uh, his mindset around uh, this whole idea, and, and I threw everything uh, everything that I could at, at the situation, and, and he was adamant, and he was not going to budge on this. And it's like, nope, it, it's it's if you're burnt out, it's your problem. So. What, uh, thinking about the study, the myth of burnout from the Gallup Institute, and uh, you don't necessarily have to, to think about that story that I just shared, but what were your first reactions when you saw those results from the, the Gallup Institute? And maybe uh, before you dive into that, you could maybe give just a summary too of, of what you saw. Yeah, so I think, you know, the title was a little uh, misleading, I think. <laughs> So the myth of burnout, it's really not the myth of burnout really is true. There is really burnout, <laughs> but it's really, really the myth often is that it's only related to the number of hours. And mm -hmm. so that's what jumped out at me is that, and really what they were saying is that if you're working more than 50 hours, which I know a lot of people are yes. working more than 50 hours, you're at pretty high risk of burnout. And then if you uh, are working 60 or more hours, it's, it's really, really prevalent. So, um, so it's, it's not just about the hours, but the hours certainly have a big influence. Um, I think the other thing that that's important to differentiate is what is burnout? So sometimes people think of burnout as being stressed and it's actually not. So, I mean, of course there's stress involved in it, but, Burnout is really when someone becomes really disengaged uh, and with their work and they um, they just don't care about the outcomes anymore and it just completely overwhelms, can't, are sort of stuck and just can't move forward. So uh, it's beyond, it is beyond experiencing stress. And so when you look at that and they're talking about 76% of employees experience yeah. burnout on the job yeah. at least sometimes that is incredible. Crazy number. <laughs> it's an epidemic. And even, and so they, they say in here that uh, the pressures to address job burnout became so intense in 2019 
that the World Health Organization declared burnout as an occupational phenomena in its global standard for diagnostic health information. Yeah. And I was like, I mean, this is a big deal. We need to, we need to deal with this. And then the other thing I thought about was this came out before, uh, before COVID. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and what, what we have heard so much in organizations, right? People are, now we know not everybody's working from home, but a lot of people from home are feeling this because of the amount here we go back to the hours, right? Yeah. The number of hours that people are working. Um, so that that's what jumped to mind too was when they were talking about um, the number of hours isn't just it. It's also about um, other things. Um, I was going to see what it said here for that. Um, it causes unfair treatment at work, unmanageable workload, unclear communication from managers, lack yeah. of manager support, and unreasonable time pressure. I thought, yeah. okay, so this was 2019. Yeah. We can, like, I don't know, double the numbers if we're talking about after COVID. All these What's things. Going on right now? Yeah, yeah, they're all worse. occurring. They're yeah. worse. By far, yeah. by far. Yeah. And, you know, when, when, when you think about that, we've, we've slowly kind of boiled the frog with this one because starting back in about the 80s, right, we were what, uh, probably middle school, early high school, and when the whole conversation started about the downsizing and the right sizing and the flattening and the whatever, whatever moniker you wanted to put on it to make it sound like it was a good thing, was really all those people that, and all those positions that were going away really started to pile on more work for those that were remaining, right? Yeah. So this is something that at least in our, the United States, I think has been going on for a long time. And as all of those things are happening, you can, the, the increase of workload and uh, more as more people get frantic, the, the, the worse your communication gets, right? And, and you, the, the, you decrease your ability to learn and to hold on to new information because of that stress. And yet we still uh, weren't operating, I think our most effectively, not that we are now, but <laughs> I think we still yeah. were really in kind of that management philosophy world um, at that time versus a leadership philosophy mm -hmm. where it's like, I don't care if you're tired. I don't care if you feel overworked. I don't care if this or that or the other thing, here's the work, do it or find another job. We're, we're constantly right-sizing, right? <laughs> it's that right. kind of pressure that people felt. So I, I don't think yeah. we've done ourselves any service um, organizationally and probably for our GDP um, by by perpetuating uh, the burnout that's occurred. Obviously, if we're at 76%, we have not done a good job of helping no. people through it. Yeah. Yeah. And if we needed more, if we needed more reason here, here's the, some other things they listed. 63% are more likely to take a sick day. So they're, you know, costs to the organization, real costs. Half are um, more likely to discuss how to approach performance or less likely to um, approach performance goals with their manager. It means ha half the people don't want to um, talk about goals. 23% were likely to visit the emergency room. So we know mm -hmm. what happens when we have more people visiting the emergency room from, a, from an organizational perspective, not only are they taking those sick days, but also, I mean, this is going to sound kind of crass, but we know that the benefit costs go up because your experience rating goes up because you have more people yeah. utilizing the benefits. 2.6 times as likely to be actively seeking a different job. You know, yeah. it costs money to actually 
recruit people to bring them into the organization. And there's that downtime before they're actually, um, you know, fully producing. And 13% well, is confident oh, in, in oh, their performance. I, I, Oh gosh, yeah. that's a big that's a big one right there, right? How do you engage in, in fully in conversation if you don't have the confidence to be doing your job? But I think back you mentioned a number about people who are actively searching employment opportunities. I think back yeah. to something Beverly Kay said quite a while ago, and she uh, I'm drawing a blank on her book titles, a thousand and one ways to uh, provide recognition. I think she's got, I'll have to look for the exact title and we can put it in our follow-up notes, but the author is Beverly Kay. And she was talking at one time about how many people at any given point in time are not looking for another job, but guess where they're doing it? <laughs> they're doing it on. <laughs> uh, okay. If that's that your folks are from burnout. For that manager that you were having that conversation with about, well, it's their their problem. Well, even if it is their problem, it's costing the company time and money. And if they care about the organizational performance, they'll care about employees being burned out. Which yeah. they should. If you're a leader, that is one of your responsibilities is to ensure the fiscal uh, um, safety of your organization, right? That's one of your top priorities. Um, yep. is the fiscal health of an organization. So if I were to send this CEO to you, Coach Crystal, and <laughs> leadership, I is that are burnt out and I want to know what to do about them, what can you tell me to do about them? What would your guidance to this individual be? I would start back with what is he trying to accomplish and what does he uh, need in order to get that um, to achieve whatever goals he has set for uh, his organization. And part of what he probably needs is people that are performing their best. And That's so, yeah. So what does he need to do uh, to support his employees to be able to perform at their best? Yeah, that's where I'd start with him. Yeah. <laughs> Start start yeah. right back with, yeah, what are, what are you doing and what do you need and, and how can you best get there? That's a good approach. Um, what else would you tell managers or leaders if you were uh, running a seminar? What other thoughts would you share with folks on how to prevent um, burnout or even if you recognize it now, right? Recognition is the first step. It's like, oh boy, I think we have a problem here. Um, <laughs> what, what can we do now that we recognize it? What can we do? to fix it. And I really, I think that question that you're asking is that really the first step is about, you know, you've got to recognize you have a problem. And par part of that recognizing, you know, how you recognize is to listen. So mm -hmm. I think listening um, to people's issues seriously and trying to dig into what's really going on. Why is this a problem? Um, and they're not going to probably even come right out and say it's a burnout, but they're going to talk about, I, you know, I can't get yeah. this workload done. Yeah. I'm working a lot of hours, you know, it impacts family life. Um, so really um, starting there just, you know, and we know this, you know, it's just a basic thing that uh, it sounds simple, but it's not, is to just show up and listen so not defend yeah. but just listen and understand what your employees are going through 
So I, I think that's the number one is being available to your employees. I That's su such a powerful piece of advice because very few employees, um, especially if they're in a place of fear, which I think we've seen with the COVID responses, the fear of job loss, right, or fear of spouse losing a job or, or significant other, but very few employees are, are uh, unless they have a really sound relationship with you, uh, are probably going to come to you and say, I'm burnt out. It, yeah. It's to your point, it's going to show up in, in multiple different ways. And that's a leadership function is to recognize, um, just like your story with Vicki, the, the dorm janitor, right? I haven't seen this, this student in a couple of days and something's going on. Right, because yeah, there's been right. some kind of a behavior change or they're not showing up the same way. Yeah. I think yeah. Um, another one that's really hard to do, and it goes for all of these different things that we'll be talking about, about how, how to do this better is, and I think it's tough for leaders, but it goes back to our Kuzmas and Posner, um, which is model the way. No. And, you know, we can say as leaders, we can say, you know, a hundred times, I want you to go home when your time is done. You know, when you've put your eight hours in, I want you. To... But if you're staying 10 hours yeah. and you're working a lot of extra hours, you know, it's really, you're not showing that that's a value in the organization. Yeah. yeah or you're sending emails at, at 10 o'clock at night. <laughs> Exactly. And over the weekend and all that, you know, then employees feel like they, even if you said, oh, you don't have to respond, they feel they have to respond. Yeah. So, so it, it, it's part of that taking accountability for if you're asking somebody else to do it, you've got to be willing to do it as well. Yeah. Um, I think that's so yeah. important. Well, and, and I would bookend that with the other Kuzu's and Posner practice that we love, which is uh, encourage the heart and uh, recognize that there's uh, so much going on, uh, probably more so now than ever. Uh, well, even that, it seems kind of, um, uh, yeah, because there were, there were always things going on, right? It's just, uh, it's different things. So there's always stuff going on, but recognizing that, um, you know, we don't ever know what's really going on with someone in their life and they can be really struggling. And so to just start with the heart and encourage, um, uh, in, encourage the heart and, and come in with an open mind and open heart uh, and recognize that no two people are going to be in any situation at any given time and being open to that. Um, so it, it's, it's kind of, it's both really, right. It's yeah. modeling the way and, and really making sure that your heart is in it and you're looking out for your employees. Um, yes. And part of yeah. that showing that you care is through your communication. Yeah. And that, that's one of the things they list in here as well, is that unclear communication for managers is a contributor to the burnout and the dissatisfaction. And that I think communication is so tough right now. And we talked about this in our last podcast um, around having challenging and difficult conversations, but that's part of the communication is to be able to, you know, uh, handle and talk about um, be honest and truthful about tough things. And right now, you know, there's lots of those and there's so much ambiguity going on with COVID and the social justice. Sometimes we just can't, we don't know the answers. Yeah. And we have to be honest about that. It's like, um, I, uh, I was listening to a Brene Brown podcast and she was talking about how 
her mantra for stepping into difficult conversations is to say, um, I'm here, I'm not here to, let's see, where does it go? I'm not here to, uh, to be right. I'm here to make it right. I think is how it goes. Something like that. Uh. But the point, the point is, is that you don't have to know and get it right the first time, but you are, you need to be committed to trying to figure it out together. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I thought that's, um, so powerful and allows us to let go a little bit of that control piece mm-hmm. and to try and engage, but that clear, clear that communication from managers, even though, even though what our messages might be, it might be tough. Yeah. And, and that's, that's a leadership piece right there, right? Is that you might not like the answer, but it's the answer and we're, we'll find a way to move through it. Yes. Versus kind of a management answer, which is, well, that's just what it is. Uh, lump it or leave it. Right. Taking it a step further and saying, I realize this might not be the answer that you're looking for, but it's the answer that we've got. And uh, so let's find a way to work through it. Yeah, big difference. Yeah. So one day, one day we'll have to explore some of those subtleties of management and leadership. <laughs> yeah, that'd be a good one. That'd be a good one. So yeah. For now, is there uh, anything else that you would add as kind of a concluding thought for the the stu- the study that we use that we looked at from Gallup on um, the myth of burnout? Uh, well, there's a couple things still here, but um, so I'll just kind of. Uh, read them, well, not read them off, but um, talk about them in succession. So one is encouraging teamwork. So, and again, I think these are so relevant in the times that we're at right now with a lot of people working from home. Um, that can be so tough. And so uh, we know that people need to be, have good connections to their team. And so whatever we can do to make sure that that happens and to orchestrate that, it's important. Uh, for employee engagement. The other one, um, there's so much good stuff in here. Um, <laughs> opinion, every making sure every opinion counts. Uh, I think that is such an important one as we think about the social justice issues going on right now, really being aware of who are we hearing from and making sure that everybody has a voice. Has that voice and that safety to, to be able to yes. their, their thoughts and opinions. Yep. And then uh, strengths-based. So, you know, when we're giving feedback to really think about how is this, um, how can we, instead of it be like, oh, you failed, therefore we're going to punish you. It's mm. what can we, what can we learn from this and how can yeah. we get better? And I'm with you and we're in it together and um, really thinking about uh, helping people, you know, <laughs> I've had many tough conversations with people about performance where they actually leave the office more inspired than when they came in. Um, (laughs) And so, and that is, that's important, right? People have to leave with hope that things can get better and they can be better. And people know when they've screwed up, (laughs) you know, and it doesn't feel good. And so let's not, you know, dance around it. Let's just talk about it and let's talk about how to make it better. And, you have belief in them that it can be better. Oh yeah, this isn't gonna, I'm not gonna shrivel up and die. I'm gonna actually be able to grow from this experience. So yeah. I think that strengths-based positive um, inspiration is so important. 
For sure. Um, and it goes right back to modeling the way and, and enabling the heart. Yes. Just taking a quick peek at there's other, you know, they have a lot of things and I'll, I'll um, put it in the notes uh, about where we, the name of this, you can Google it and find it for, at Gallup. But there's a lot of stuff in here about things that you can systemically look at. They're talking about even the way you set up the offices with. Um, yeah. Yeah. That was interesting. Yeah. Um, the new way of interruption. And, mm -hmm. Yeah. So as Crystal kind of uh, peruses through that uh, report uh, one last time, uh, again, that's the myth of burnout by the Gallup Institute. And I would just add uh, that most of these things that you can do are really, really simple. Um, and most are free. Just giving of your time, modeling the way, um, bringing your whole heart into the situation, giving good feedback, those cost nothing. And they are just yes. going to they're going to be the things that you're going to do to instill a culture of caring. And uh, again, it costs nothing. So I always like to say, uh, remind folks, you know, and someone will say, oh, I'm, I'm taking this job and I'm, I'm getting this much more money. It's like my, my mantra is pay has a half life. Uh, and if yeah. the culture isn't there to support you, the pay is not going to matter. Yes, so true. And we know it's not even the number one motivator, right? I mean, it's right. <laughs> it's cool work, you know? Um, so I think my last thought, when we talk about this systemic uh, sort of workplace um, things, the, uh, they say rec Gallup recommends strategically focusing on three areas, make well-being part of your culture. So when they're talking about burnout and all the impacts to our body physically, um, how helping people understand that our overall well-being is an important part of um, that we care as an organization about your well-being, the whole person. Uh, equip your managers to prevent burnout. So those are all the things that we talked about already. So it's important to talk with your manager about that, have training so that they know as well how to deal with that. And then design your employee experience to reduce, reduce burnout. So that was Part, we talked a little bit about that, some of those systemic things that we can do in the workplace itself. Right. Yeah. So I think uh, it's a big, big problem. But yeah. like you said, there's there are solutions and they aren't really complicated. They take time. They take commitment. Uh, but uh, but but it's doable. And what a what a difference it would make if we could do that. And when we have employees and they are um, productive, it's better for the organization as well, right? So um, yeah. they bring their palpable. ideas. Yeah. Go ahead. It's palpable when and you can feel it. it. It's an energy, just like the, on the negative side of that, you can feel it when people are frustrated and burnt out and tense and stressed. So yeah, and, and one is a lot more fun place to be than the other. <laughs> yeah, and it's kind of like, um, yawning in a way i feel like it's catching you know both sides of that you know the negative is like it's then who's actually making progress and performing well the statistics and the data show us that the higher engaged 
organizations who have higher engagement scores perform better. So these things aren't just about fluff. They're actually about being industry leaders. So, yeah. 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 So boy, when, the, the million dollar uh, question or the million dollar lottery ticket for someone is going to be really able to define the ROI around this stuff at some point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It impacts so much. It impacts performance. It impacts safety. It impacts uh, good ideas, innovation. Uh, it's, it's really, um, it's the nugget that we've got, we need to really focus on and, and crack. Um, we know there's, you know, we've got a, we have a map. We just need to follow it. It's not, <laughs> it's really, you know, it's just good sense. It's, it's not, um, not brain surgery. You can do it. Our leaders out there yeah yes. but it is it is it is backed in science so it is scientifically sound that's the other thing i think that it's the books to understand yeah goodness we've packed a whole lot of conversation into just a few minutes i can only imagine what this is going to be like when we get our uh, our third co-host on that i almost <laughs> said it again <laughs> co-host our third co-host we will be quite the cohort of three so uh it's going to be even more conversation so um i think uh for where we're at right now it was a great conversation and thanks for engaging Fun stuff, uh, yeah. you know. You and I, you and I could talk about this for hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But for now, yeah. uh, I think a um, uh, good closeout. Uh, important stuff. Uh, even more important now. Um, we, we've got to make sure that our, our people um, that are doing the important work are there um, and they're feeling safe and secure, and uh, they can continue to do their good work. Um, even when you are feeling overworked, there's ways to inspire folks um, to continue on and, and trudge through to get through the short haul. So, and Crystal, so thank true. you so much. Yeah, always fun to chat. Um, for now, we'll go ahead and close it out. Uh, this you've been listening to again to Leadership on Lattes. Uh, I'm Danielle Lord, and I was uh, joined by my co-host Crystal Roberts. Apparently, that's something I have to spend a lot of time thinking about <laughs> saying. Co-host. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and we welcome your uh, questions and even your ch own challenges that you're having. If something's coming up and you would like uh, a, an opinion of three gals, uh, maybe maybe a guy, because again, we've still got our, our mystery third person. But uh, if you want the input from three folks that have been doing this work for a long time, feel free to reach out to us. We are at leadershipandlattes at gmail.com. And that's all one word, leadership and lattes. So Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. I know I did. I won't speak for Crystal. And we'll I did. see you back next time. <laughs> yeah, it was great. We don't know what our topic is, but leadership is dynamic. So we know that something will be uh, uh, coming uh, to us very soon that we will bring to you. <laughs> Thank you, Danielle. All right. Thanks, Crystal. Take care.